y'all. Just wanted to apologize for not releasing episodes on a regular basis, but I promise you I will be releasing episodes continually until summer. I needed to catch up on research, but also my mental health wasn't at a good state. And then school started back and it was crazier than ever. So I apologize, but I digress and please enjoy part one of two of Art Sipstery. All right. Are you ready for the run of your life? I am ready. I'm so excited. Okay, if we want to do, um, we might have to split this in two parts because I, it's a long story, but it's really good. I'm going to talk to you. Oh, by the way, I have to do an intro. So welcome to Art Sipstery. I'm your host, Sarah. And today my guest is my brother. I am so excited to be here. Yay. We're going to go over these two amazing women during World War II. Okay. Okay. There, it's Suzanne. I'm pr- probably pronouncing her name. So wrong, but it's Suzanne Malherby and Lucy Schwab. Those are the okay. two two women that we're gonna go over. And I say women now. Suzanne. But, yeah, Suzanne and Lucy. Okay. okay. Um, I say women now because like they they didn't define their gender or whatever, but it 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 makes sense once I start getting into things. Okay. 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 So we're gonna start with Lucy. And Lucy Schwab was born in Nades. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. Um, <laughs> who knows? Uh, in 1894, to a very prominent Jewish family. Their family was very intellectually prominent for the time. Um, so well above the average middle class that we would think. She, her father, was an avant-garde writer, and his his name was Marcel Schaub. And he influenced a lot of authors and is known for pushing um, surrealism. Not surrealism painting-wise, but surrealism writing-wise, which I thought was... In real life. Yes. Real life. Yeah, in real life. Can you be... I guess I'm always surreal in real life. <laughs> I mean, me too, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy's great uncle was David Leon uh, Cahoon. But the only reason I'm mentioning him, because it says he's an orientalist and i was like what the hell is that because exactly orientalism is the imitation of depiction of aspects in the eastern world according to wikipedia i didn't do any research on him but i just really wanted to know what orientalism is but it did say he was a writer as well and my guess is he wrote about the eastern world so basically he was like obsessed with the eastern culture and that's what orientalism is but i feel like that's kind of racist now <laughs> so well, yeah i mean it makes sense it's Eastern culture but yeah but it was weird because i've never heard that term and but let's get back to lucy so around when lucy was four years old her mother was suffering from mental illness and she was placed in a psychiatric facility and that's when lucy oh. i know that's when lucy's grandmother uh, matilda kind of stepped in and raised lucy like that was her mom once her mom went matilda yes but it's spelled with an h so it it could be like mathilda but i'm not entirely yeah but i'm not i'm not sure sometimes they don't give pronunciations when i research (laughs) (laughs) okay so that's a little bit about lucy so we're gonna move on to suzanne melherb 
And she was born also in Nadies in 1892. Not much is really known on Suzanne's side with her family, except her father was a highly respected doctor and medical educator. But both Lucy and Suzanne grew up in prominent families and people were more aware of the Schwab name during this time more than um, Suzanne. I think it's like, like Schwab. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's probably not right. I don't know if that's right. I mean, I don't know. It could be. Maybe. I just didn't get to that research. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm going to kind of jump, jump around in like years because (laughs) there's a lot of information. So as we go through, I'll kind of jump back a little bit and forward. Don't worry, you won't get confused. And the listeners, you won't get confused either. Lucy and Suzanne actually met at a young age because their families frequented the same social circles because, you know, they're both prominent families. Since so much information that we do have is when they are older, not much happened when they were growing up and that involved them. We're going to skip forward to the 1920s. So they're like a little bit older. Mm -hmm. So Lucy and Suzanne decided they kind of wanted to change, not like change their their life, but they wanted to like move out of their hometown. So they decided to like travel by train to Paris. So they basically packed up everything and they set off to Paris. This, of course, was after the Paris Armistice, which was signed ending the fighting between Entente and Germany. I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong. <laughs> packed up their belongings and, you know, the armistice happened and so they actually saw like how the war changed the city because they were from a prominent family. They've been to Paris before, but this is the first time that they actually saw like saw a real change. And it helped mm-hmm. them like it helped create new opportunities in France, especially for women at the time. So more women were stepping into male dominant and traditional roles like factory working work and um, hard label labor, even into like political stuff. Women were pr- pursuing that. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Women were th- basically thriving in France. Thriving. Yes, thriving. It was booming. <laughs> so- Mama. <laughs> Lucy and Suzanne were both very much social people for the most part. So they were invited to some gatherings at bookstores and, you know, local cafe shops. But there was one bookstore called Shakespeare and Company. And within these gatherings, they were actually introduced to a lot of famous people. Famous people that we know now to be famous, but back then were kind of on the verge of famous. And this include like James Joyce. And if you don't know who that is, do you know who that is? I don't know James who that Joyce. is. He he wrote um, Ulysses or Ulysses or how do you say it? Ulysses? Oh, the author. Yes, yeah. the author. Yeah. So they met him just at a bookstore. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. All right, cool. And then they became mm-hmm. close friends with the owner. And the owner, I'm just going to refer to her as Beach. She kind of helped introduce them to more artists and including Tristan Zara. And that is one of the founders of the Dada movement, which is oh. a really cool art movement and i think i might go over an artist during that time period don't spoil it (laughs) i'm not gonna spoil it okay (laughs) so beach was actually lovers with mornair another bookstore owner across the street which is kind of funny because aren't you like competing businesses you know yeah that's true but anyway they fell in love well love conquers all i guess i guess so so with (laughs) lucy and (laughs) yeah lucy and suzanne kind of form this friendship with them. That's because, spoiler alert, Suzanne and Lucy were lovers. Oh my God, I got that coming. I know. Surprise. Sorry. <laughs> um, if you don't like that, then I guess you can leave. 
a beach in Mornair kind of helped them become, you know, freer and okay with their same sex relationship. And that kind of helped them push the boundaries, you know, and in, in for women at the time in France, because that was like uncalled for. I mean, it kind of still yeah. in some areas, which is stupid, but I digress. It is still. So they continued to be social um, with them. And they also started to host their own gatherings in their apartment. And there's actually really cool photos of, um, I believe it's Lucy. And like lounging on her couch in her apartment with all of these pictures. It's really mm. cool. <laughs> they, <laughs> they had these gatherings in their apartments. And guess who they hung out with? Just uh, think of surrealism. Barbara, Wal- Barbara Walters. <laughs> I mean, I don't think she was alive back then. No, well, she was pretty old. But... I mean, yeah, she's pretty old. But no, think of like surrealism artists. Very famous. Um, I don't know. Salvador Dali. Not really? Yes. Can you imagine just throwing a party in your apartment in freaking dolly just comes and chills with you already or no yeah like well yes and no like he was kind of famous in europe but not famous worldwide at that time okay but still well, i mean they are boring anyway so yeah, yeah that's that's very true so not only did they hang out with dolly they also um hung out with aldous huxley which is i think he's the one that wrote brave new world or is no is that or night yeah brave new world is another uh, another author or trippy author culture <laughs> I think you need to read more books. Well, I read fantasy books. Okay. <laughs> that, well, then you might like Aldous Huxley. It's like trippy, psychological oh. thriller. Hmm. But like old-timey psychological thriller. You know, no big deal. Just come to our apartment, get drunk. That's basically what they said. I mean, I don't think that's what they said. I'm just assuming. <laughs> <laughs> so, they said, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and then I literally wrote in my notes, I said, these women are boss-ass babes. <laughs> <laughs> with the and i actually um bolded that so it had to be in here. and then okay. <laughs> i should also mention um when they had these gatherings they, they had moved from paris to like another part of france called mont mont parnassi or something and it's only like 15 minutes away from each other so it's not super far but they moved like out of the city like on the outskirts of the city i just say it's paris but they actually moved on the the outskirts so even though they were throwing these parties people were coming from the inner city to like drive this way just to hang out with them which I they're like getting fancy big like names i know and they're just like two cool lesbians you know Helen. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Okay, but I think the reason why they moved to Mount um, Parnassi, I'm, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but it was the home of the very first lesbian nightclub. Oh, wow. And it was called the Monocle of all names. Monocle? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I love that name so much for a lesbian nightclub. But when I read that, I just thought of women wearing, you know, a monocle with like luscious, long flowing hair and a pantsuit and like a little cane. <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's what i envisioned stupid i know it's so stupid (laughs) but but i'm not entirely off because when i did a little bit of research on this nightclub apparently everyone dressed as a man so even if people didn't know it was a lesbian club they would go in there and they would think it was just full of men so i wasn't too far off with my 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 thought yeah yeah 
And so every now and then, Lucy and Suzanne would go and visit Jersey and no, not New Jersey, the little island called Jersey, known as the Channel Island. It's part of the... And they talk like that. Yeah, they yeah exactly. They talk exactly like that. But it's <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with the layout of where this is, it's basically like right above a France. So like between the UK and France, there's these little islands are just called the Channel Islands and the UK owns them. So it's yeah. like dead in the middle. Okay. It's not too far. Anyway, they would go and hang out on the beach all day and just do cool shit there because, you know, they are cool women. And they would stay at this um, hotel. It was called St. Berlade's Bay Hotel, and it overlooked the shoreline. When they went to the island for a getaway one time, Lucy met this guy named Bob. Okay. And they flirted okay. like crazy, but they never really got physical. Apparently, they were both shy, which is kind of cute. And I do have to say, though, that an another man was in love with Lucy, but it was her cousin. Oh. Yeah. I mean, this is not the second thing. Exactly. So, but he wanted to marry her. Oh, was it her first cousin? You know, I don't know. I didn't specify, but. <laughs> I would like, no, go away. Thankfully, Lucy's father stepped in and was like, no, man, that's not going to work. And she, also, she likes women, like, hint, hint. We already established that. And he probably, I mean, he probably didn't say, like, no, she likes women, but he basically was back off. She flirted with Bob. And I mentioned Bob because Bob comes back later in the story. But I honestly feel like knowing who they are, I think she just flirted just for courtesy or, like, appearances, but not really liking yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. All right, Lucy and Suzanne, though, they were together, you know, all of this. The flirting with Bob and then Lucy's own cousin trying to hit her up. Lucy <laughs> did <str> Lucy <laughs> did struggle with her identity. We now, now know today that Lucy was most likely, like, gender fluid based on what, you know, I've read. Mm -hmm. We don't have, like, a lot of details about their relationship when they were younger because, the, you know, they lived in a conservative area in time. But they were to believe to be with each other from around 14 and 15 years old. So basically their whole life. And they also knew each other mm -hmm. when they were around six, you know, because of their families. It's estimated they started dating at 14 and 15 years old and you know for the rest of their lives but we're just not really sure so they've basically been together doing their relationship stuff with their families i feel like their families had to know something was going on between them but they always just referred to them as friends or as we call today gal pals <laughs> so but it was it was never mentioned like in everything that I read about them, they never mentioned that their families knew they were lovers. I have a feeling they suspected it. Well, I mean, I would I would assume so. It's kind of really hard to... Yeah, it's kind of hard to like... They probably knew they just didn't say anything or want to say anything. That's my guess. Suzanne actually went to a fine arts academy in 80s and was quite a really good artist. Before France and starting her work with Lucy, because Lucy and her do some work later on, Suzanne worked as a graphic designer in some of her fashion. Fashion designs were published in a newspaper that was owned by the Schwabs. Um, so Lucy's family, they were it was owned by them. Uh, she also produced illustrations for two of Mark Adolf Guggen's oh. books, which I guess is a famous fashion person too. I'm not. She's all. turning into she's what's turn her name, Miranda Priestly. Yes, she is. She's turning into <laughs> Miranda Priestly. I'm not into the fashion world, but all of my knowledge comes from that movie. Yeah, it's all I know is that the blue is the, the same blue. <laughs> Exactly. I haven't watched that movie in a good minute. I know. Lucy, on the other hand, loved to take self-portraits. 
And this is where she would dress up and like kind of get creative. So when these two got together, it was kind of perfect because they both used their creative ideas to create awesome works of art and writing. One piece that Suzanne illustrated was from the mind of Lucy. Lucy basically told Suzanne, oh, I have this idea. And then Suzanne illustrated it. And it was depicting like two women in a very loving, intimate moment. That, that illustration was called Modern Night. I did try looking this up, but I couldn't find it. I'm not sure if this is just from their journals that they described this, but it would be like really cool to see the illustration because a lot of the works during the research, they would describe it, but very few works were actually saved. Really? Yeah, like Lucy and Suzanne were extensive, like they wrote extensively like journals they kept. So they they explained this art piece, but I tried looking for like the paper and like the, the book that was published, but I couldn't find it. So, I mean, I'm sure someone has it somewhere laying around, but I just can't find it. I'm sure. Yeah. When they did this type of creative work, they used pseudonyms. So Lucy uh, was actually referred to as Claude. Claude Cahoon and Suzanne used Marcel Moore. Now, most, yeah, so most of the research I've seen, it seems that Lucy would use they, them pronouns and Suzanne would use she, her. We don't, again, we don't really know because considering these terms weren't really around back then, we're just kind of assuming that today's world. I do refer to them as women because they both themselves refer to as women. Please don't get mad at me. I do use they on some things and she, her on others, but just FYI, if you do research any listeners like look them up it's we're kind of just guesstimating at this point and i even looked up what their pseudonym names claude and marcel and some stuff does yeah. pop up but still that illustration which is their first collab illustration doesn't show up anywhere really yeah i wonder why i don't know it's really weird i do have something a little crazy about oh. them so suzanne's mom was a widow during a lot of this time when they were older. And then Lucy's dad started talking to Suzanne's mom. And you know what happened? What happened? They got married. So basically, <sighs> they became stepsisters, but they were also My lovers. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. So, I mean, as I explained their story, it works as their defense because they just said, oh, we're sisters living together. Because technically, they... By law, they really are sisters, but they're kind of genius. I know it's really. I genius. love it. So overall, though, they were lovers, and before they became stepsisters. So you know, we don't have to have that weird whatever. <laughs> but sometime during the trip to Jersey, after they moved to Paris, Lucy kind of shaved. She just like shaved her head. She went 2007 Britney Spears and just was like, "Fuck it." I don't know if she had an umbrella, but um, she definitely went. <laughs> There's actually a really cool picture of Lucy staring deep into the camera and there's like a stone wall behind her or behind them showcasing this just gorgeous, beautiful shaved head. And it's somehow very stoic yet feminine, mainly because during this time it was so rare to see someone that was female to have a shaved head and to look masculine. And I think that's mm -hmm. why it just the picture portrays it so well. And of course, Suzanne took the picture. I just really love this. Of course. But Lucy most likely did this out of rebellion. And to the very reason I said earlier, because feminine beauty, you know, she wanted to show you can mm -hmm. still be feminine and beautiful, but masculine at the same time. I think this is also because people in France after the war were like, oh my God, gross, homosexuals, because women started to work in jobs and they didn't have work, you know, they didn't work prior. So certain critics were like, oh, I know people, you know, the public <sighs> critics were like, ew, France is becoming a civilization without sexes. And this is, that's a real quote. Like that happened. Really? It's just people 
being people, you know? Like, yeah. Calm down. France was going through this like kind of crazy thing where because women were working now and, you know, oh my God, can't have that. No, so, can't have that. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I well, wish someone could say I work. Be like, okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but what I found cool and interesting about Lucy was they read a magazine called Inversions, which was the only magazine at the time addressing homosexuality. And they had invited, oh. yeah. So this is also probably why France, like the critics were like, civilization without sex is because there was like this magazine pushing propaganda out. Yeah. They invited readers to respond to their opinion on homosexuality. Lucy, being the boss that she is, was like, I'm going to respond to this. This was her response on her, her opinion on homosexuality. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Lucy says, my opinion on homosexuality and homosexuals is the same as heterosexuality and heterosexuals. Everything depends on the individual and on circumstances. I demand a general freedom of morals of everything that is not harmful to peace, liberty, of happiness of the next person. I know. I was like, damn, Lucy, we need that quote on a banner today. Yeah, seriously. That's exactly what people forget. It's not it's on the individual. It's not not going to harm you. You know, you're just a yeah. person. Oh, yeah. yeah. I put in my, I was like, okay, Lucy, we see you ahead of your time. That's what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is true. During the creative ventures together, they used their pseudonyms and they mainly created most of their work to Claude Calhoun and not Marcel Moore. So if you look up Claude Cahoon, you'll see a lot of their work. But if you look up Marcel Moore, there's kind of less work that you see. And that's because Suzanne would actually take the photos or illustrate. But all of these ideas were coming from Lucy. So Lucy would talk about these ideas or create it. And then Suzanne was the one that was able to depict it because she had that art background. When you look uh, up stuff, if you want to look up stuff, it would be yeah. under Cloud. Claude Cahoon. Okay. And they did publish a book together. It was called Avu. No venue. I am not. I don't know. The <laughs> I don't know. But the English version of it is called Disavowals. And I would have enjoyed reading this so much to get to know them better. But I went to look up this book. Guess how much I found it for? How much? $276. And that was on Amazon. What? And so I looked other that places, right? Because I was like, oh my God, that's ridiculous. Looked up on like thrift books. It's out of print on there. Mm -hmm. And I looked up, you know, on eBay. Of course, it's even why? more on eBay. Or why? I don't know. I don't know why it's so, so expensive. If anybody just so happens to find this book while thrifting, get it. Because one, you could probably flip it for a good amount of money. But two, <laughs> apparently it's a very hard book to find. And I want to read it because it's basically their biography. It's themselves talking about their experiences. That would be interesting to read. Right? Exactly. During... Hmm. The time that they were writing this book, Lucy was having some family emergencies. So this was around late 1920s. I'm going to say around 1922, 1923. So they're working on this book. They're publishing it. But then Lucy's father became sick and he eventually passed away in 1928. So that kind of gives you the, the time span. And remember, we're still yeah. pre, this is pre-Hitler rise, okay? So, But we're getting there. Okay. <laughs> that same year, Lucy's dad passed away, 1928, that same year. Lucy found out her mother had been released from the asylum. And so she was in oh. there for a long time. Like I mentioned earlier, like she went in there when Lucy was really young, probably, I think like five or six. Wow. Yeah. And Lucy's like in her late 
20s at this time so a pretty long time but apparently lucy's brother who is estranged like doesn't even talk to lucy her father like before he passed he, mm -hmm. he removed their mother from doctor's care without even telling lucy he was you know what would be a good idea taking my mom out of this asylum where she's been getting help for so many years it would have been nice if you know her brother told her yeah had they, a conversation. yeah just like a courtesy call like even if they didn't talk and what's sad is that that same year so 1928 her mother died shortly after her brother released her from the asylum which it's is really sad i know it is sad because she was you know thriving in there and there's no research or anything about like why he did it mainly because he doesn't talk to lucy but that made me sad so in one year she lost both her parents that sucks yeah and I, I wrote in here, I'm in my 30s and I feel pretty good, like better than I did in my 20s mm -hmm. for Lucy going through. OK, so they're being in they're they're catching up to their 30s and then having to deal with all of that. And then their book being published, her mental health just kind of plummeted. Mine. Right. <laughs> Mine's crazy right now. Like I feel like I feel good right now, but like my mental health is not good. But I can't imagine the stress of trying to get your work out there. I know like, keeping up the appearance with the yeah. upcoming authors and celebrities and having your father die and then having your brother who doesn't talk to you take your mom out and essentially kind of kills her. I mean, not directly, but because she was yeah. getting some help. And so then after all of this, the book finally becomes published. And so Lucy's like, okay, things are starting to look up. Well, not really. Lucy had an abscess on her jaw. So she needed oh. a root canal. Root canals, you need anesthesia. You just need it. it it's going to hurt mm -hmm. like hell. She did this without anesthesia. So she got a root canal. And to mask her pain, she literally took opium and just cigarettes, like smoked oh, cigarettes. <laughs> that's crazy. Yes. And then after she had that root canal. So we're still talking 1928 this year. Yeah. This oh one my gosh. Year, after she has the root canal, she's on opium. Suzanne, her lover, had a cancer scare. They found a tumor and they thought that she, you know, had cancer, but thankfully it was benign. All of this is just her her mental health is just not good at this point. Close to the end of the year. So we're going into 1929. They started, you know, to deal with the after effects of the root canal, the cancer scare, and of course the surgery to get the benign tumor out and then on opium <laughs> it's it's weird to say it but their age was catching up because they're not you know 20s but also they're young because they're 30 but back then 30 was like being 50 i was dead yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but good news did come out of this time period okay they're which was their book so it started to gain recognition and one person his name was andre breton paid close attention and he basically is the founder of surrealism like he kind of started that surrealism movement so we did talk about one of the other co-founders of surrealism he was the other one and so it was a very very big deal and he was a very interesting guy i might do an episode on him someday because the stuff that i was reading about him first of all i was like how are you alive and, and second, I kind of want to read your books. Yeah, I, that'd be very interesting too. Right? I know. I, every time I do research, I'm like, oh, this person sounds interesting. That book sounds interesting. And then I feel like I don't have enough time to learn about all these people. <laughs> they got cozy with Andre. And at first he didn't like the book, but then he was 
really in love with it. Like he started to read it more. So they got close and they learned that Andre was a member of the French Communist Party, which advocates for the principles of communism. Andre saw it that this would be this would release society from what he saw as slavery to capitalism. That That's kind of the idea of the French Communist Party. After spending so much time with Andre, it soon drew, drew both uh, Lucy and Suzanne into this left-wing politics. Now, during this time, there was pretty much a handful of things to protest. One being that Hitler now took the reins in 1933. So we ended with kind of 1920. We skipped a couple years. They finally, their book starts to take off in like the early 30s. Andre gets to know them. And then all of a sudden, after years of being close with him, he they he joins the French Communist Party and it starts to Lucy and Suzanne start to think about that. Uh, Hitler now has the reins in 1933 and of course promising to make Germany a powerful nation once again and we all know what happens next. He of <laughs> <Yeah>. course <laughs> went against the Treaty of World War One and started to build up soldiers and basically telling the world he's ready for conflict. If you didn't know, that's how World War Two started. It's because. He went against a treaty from World War One, And mm-hmm. as time went on, Lucy and Suzanne could feel the tensions of the, I think, okay, so it says Pari- Parisians. I'm guessing that's what they call per- Paris people. Yeah. So there was a divide starting around this time. Because of this, Lucy was tired and started to think, you know, about a new life, going somewhere else, and started to talk to Suzanne about it just because she could, feel the tension between you know people just on the streets and in 1937 that's when they decided they would plan their move from paris so in april they made their move to jersey island so you remember how i talked about not new jersey but jersey from the channel island they decided okay well we really like jersey we you know like the beach there maybe we'll just move from paris to there so in april they finally did that and they bought a house just behind the very same hotel that they would vacation at. At this time, the the move, like they started to move in April, but when they bought the house, they actually had to do a lot of repairs. So they didn't act, they didn't move until like May 1938. So they bought the house in April, but didn't actually move until May. Can you imagine? That? Right. <laughs> and what's crazy is they they were in an apartment in Paris, and then they were like, you know what? I'm just gonna buy a house. No big deal. If only I could do that. Right. I can't. You can't even buy a house now. You have to. Ugh. It's crazy. It's so expensive. And then rents going up on apartments. I don't know how we're going to survive. I know. I just don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Help me. I'm poor. (laughs) Help me. I'm poor. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We know, you know, we know both of them as Claude and Marcel. And they reverted during this time to only using Lucy and Suzanne. So residents on the island just knew them as being kind of eccentric and they're more conservative, you know, on the island. So that's why they went to just using Lucy and Suzanne. So in Paris, people will actually call them Claude and Marcel. But once they moved from Paris to Jersey, because Paris at the time was more open and fluid, despite the critics, but majority of people were more fluid. But in Jersey, they're more conservative. So they went back to using their actual given names. Because if you think about it, if no one knows them on Jersey, they could have just like pretended to be dudes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> According to accounts from people that were on the island, other journals and stuff, Lucy and Suzanne just sunbathed in their yard, but they would do it naked. 
like or with any nothing on. So they would just like lounge. People would be walking by and they would just be lounging in their backyard, just topless, like sunbathing. And I'm like, live your life. <laughs> yeah, do you? <laughs> I love how like ballsy they were back then. Because we're, I mean, this is like 19, almost 1940s now. And they're just, yeah, that, no fucks. Yep, no fucks given. And they even did it on the beach. So not only did they sunbathe naked. Like yeah, what? yeah, they just walked to the beach and were like, you know what? Titties out. Let's go, girls. I love that. <laughs> Their time there, you know, was nice. Like, they were enjoying life, living on the island, doing art, you know, having a great time. But November 1938, oh. it's called A Night of Broken Glass. But in German or ger yeah, German, it's called Krishnalnok. I probably I don't know if someone's German, please, please say this because I'm butchering it. But the English translation is Night of Broken Glass and it happened for two days. I don't know. Have, have you ever heard about this? No, I haven't. The Nazis set out a pogrom, an organized massacre of Jewish synagogues businesses and individuals it lasted for two whole days of just nazis just destroying anything jewish and this of course. of course and this was just you know foreshadowing for what was to come people were terrified they were starting to feel the threat of war coming the only thing that lucy could do was use art and words right mm -hmm. that after this and so in 1939 Using the name Claude Cahoon, she co-signed an article to help voice her opinions and like push back the threat of fascism. And mm -hmm. I also, I, I don't remember if I mentioned it, but Lucy is Jewish, but she doesn't look Jewish. Like her family doesn't really, I, I want to say promote it. Like she has Jewish um, blood in her, but of course under the Hitler regime, if you have like a drop of Jewish blood, you're Jewish. So this is also why she started a pushback. Um, by the time, okay. yeah. By the time September of 1939 hit, Germany had invaded Poland, bombed several towns, and then just a couple days after that bombing, Britain and France declared war on Germany. Everything just kind of hit. They moved from Paris to Jersey. They were doing their topless sunbathing. Then all of a sudden, the two <laughs> then all of a sudden the two nights of you know Nazis just destroying, and then a year later. There was war declared on Germany from France and Britain. So they could not escape. Even if they stayed in Paris, they couldn't escape. And they escaped to Britain. They still were part of the war. Mm, France is about to pass up. I know. It's, everything's about to be fucked up right now. So every everything that Lucy and Suzanne dreaded, you know, the war coming and all of that, it's now happening all around them. They can't they can't escape, like I said. As time went on, slowly it wasn't long until France was on the verge of falling to Germany. This was when over 300,000 troops uh, evacuated from northern France to Dunkirk. And on June 18th, while listening to the radio, General de Gaulle said his famous call over the BBC airways. And he said, whatever happens, the flame of French resistance must not and will not be extinguished. That's powerful to hear someone say that, knowing Germany is just, uh, you know, evading everywhere. It's very sad. The next day was when residents started to evacuate the Channel Islands because now France has fallen to Germany. It's only a matter of time that the Channel Islands get taken over since it's like right above, you know, right above there. Mm. Roughly around 10,000 residents left their home on Jersey. You know who stayed? Oh. Our two leading badass people, oh. Lucy and badass. Suzanne. They're like, fuck it. I just, we just bought this house. I'm going to continue sunbathing. 
but Bomb, naked. we have insurance. Yeah, they have insurance, <laughs> I'm sure. They're good. <laughs> if not, oh my gosh, I was going to say, oh, if not, they could just start an OnlyFans, but that didn't exist back then. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what if they just sold fans, like hand fans? <laughs> Here, your OnlyFans. <laughs> yes of course lucy you know wanted to fight back but she often was encased in her own thoughts and those thoughts turned into suicidal thoughts so we already know lucy has had bad mental health especially that year in 1928 just when everything just kind of exploded all at once now because the war was happening she really wanted to fight back but of course you know her her mental health wasn't at that state so she started to think of suicide thoughts at some point, Lucy said she would not survive the war because because of the Germans or because of her own hand. Like So either she was going to die by Germans or she was going to die by suicide. And so Suzanne had to kind of watch all of this unfold and could only really give her love and support Like because it was all in her head. Suzanne just being you know the partner that she was to Lucy just couldn't really do anything. And I also could think she couldn't do anything because... We really didn't know about mental health back then. No, they knew nothing. I mean, we barely know any days. I mean, yeah, even today we barely know anything. Isn't that wild? That is really wild. Time went on, and by the 1940s, war was getting, of course, more intense. And on June 28th of the three uh, of year three, year three of the war, three bombers bl- buzzed really low to the Channel Islands, and they released mm-hmm. 180 bombs to defenseless people there was no military on the islands nobody was there just ordinary people that have lived on the islands they mm-hmm. just bombed them oh wow and this left most of the island towns with burnt buildings and fright for many residents that lived there that didn't evacuate of course because of the bombing happened shortly after german troops showed up and lucy and suzanne were now in the fate of german control over jersey so they bombed them on June 28th. A couple days later, German troops took over the island. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, this is wild. The beginning of Germany's presence on the island was normal. You know, nothing too crazy. But over time, of course, they started to gain more control over the island. And it felt that they were more on guard even in their own homes. And so there was a curfew that was in effect for the island that meant no one could be out of their houses from 11 p.m. to 5 a.m. And then they stopped selling and consuming alcohol on the island. So people couldn't even, you know, get drunk <laughs> during this stressful time. And of yep. course, the Germans... They give them their alcohol. Yeah, like let them have something. Of course, they did that because if they would have given them alcohol, residents would start fighting and causing mayhem, basically. So they took it away. It was kind of pre-prohibition, you know, <laughs> like before we actually had prohibition. German so- soldiers also threatened residents, you know, told them that if they didn't act right, the SS would come and take charge. If you don't know, I would shit myself if <laughs> soldiers told me SS soldiers would come. Because if you've never seen SS soldiers, that's which everybody has, they just don't know it's the SS soldiers. Those were the ones that have, you know, the long black leather coats and like those trench coats. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm picturing the Matrix I had, but I know what you mean. Yes, I mean, it's it's kind of similar, but it was like button up and they had like, oh, they're scary. I would pro- I would literally shit myself. Every time I think of the SS, oh, what is that movie? It's um, that, I think it's like Hellboy. Yeah, it's Hellboy because they, ha- they have a set at that time and they do a good portrayal of that. Or um, isn't there, there's like a Marvel movie, Captain America with the Red Skull, you know, have remember 
been watching Captain America. I don't think I saw that. Really? Oh, well, that's terrifying, and that's that's what they look like. They're crazy. Okay. Just look up. You know what? Just look up on YouTube. Red Skull from Captain America, and that's like the outfit that they wore, minus minus the Red Skull. (laughs) By the way, we're only on page five of thirteen. I'm telling you, this is a lot. So if we need to cut this. We can. All right. Of course, uh, residents were supposed to hand over items to the Germans that they felt they needed to control. So some of those items included, you know, cameras or radios, etc. But of course, our very amazing ladies love photography. And did they give up their camera? Oh, hell no. They kept that baby and they took pictures of German soldiers, which, you know, you're not supposed to. Right. Because their house was close to the beach. Literally, they just had to walk over the road and then they could naked sunbathe. Right. So what they did, there's a super cool photo and I'll have to I'll, I'll text it to you. I'll probably I'll put it on the Art Sip Street Instagram so everyone can see it. This is the only photo of Nazis on jersey and it's just a bunch of the nazis lined up on the beach where they once sunbathed titties out of them just standing there and it is so surreal it gives you this ominous feeling because you know when you go to the beach you're like oh we're gonna have fun and then you just see all of these soldiers lined up in front of your house i can't like when I first saw it, I was I couldn't think. I was just like, oh my God. I can't imagine living during that time. No, that's creepy. Right? So I have I have to show you because it, it's creepy. And I just think it's funny because that's where they <laughs> lay nude. But what I also love the most is that you can see their cat perched right on the windowsill. So the cat is like sunbathing and then in the background, a beach and just Nazi so- soldiers. Shows the inside oh of their God. life. Oh, it's a normal life. Cat sunbathing. Oh, wait. Just just kidding. Nazis are there. Oh my God. The so-called contraband that they you know, had to stay quiet about. Mm-hmm. They also had to stay quiet about their relationship. Because, you know, if the Nazis found out about them being lovers, they would have been probably sent to prison or you murdered know, murdered, murdered. So, <clears throat> yeah murdered most likely murdered i guarantee you they wouldn't have been sent to prison but i just put that because you know a little faith here and there <laughs> lucy and suzanne always refer to themselves as sisters so like i said that helped them remember earlier i was their parents got together so they really were sisters in their sisters. house yeah in their house even though they were lovers they had separate rooms but it was conjoined. Like, you know how our rooms growing up, uh, like we had the Brady Bunch oh, bathroom? Yeah. It was like that. Okay. They had separate rooms, but it was conjoined so they could shut the door to the main part of their room. And then they could just take like the secret hallway and like go sleep in that each made- other's rooms. It made sense. Like it was believable. So when they told, you know, Nazis that, oh, they were just sisters. They And then if they searched their house, it would make sense. Mm, that and, makes sense. Yeah. And so I mentioned earlier... Lucy was Jew, like Jewish, but okay, she would not have been a Jew according to Jewish tradition because the mother had to be Jewish. So in Jewish tradition, to be Jewish, your mom has to be Jewish. If your dad is Jewish and marries somebody that's not Jewish, technically you wouldn't be Jewish. But if your mom's Jewish and married somebody that wasn't jewish then you would be jewish according to Jew- jewish tradition yeah very, okay. it's very weird i didn't dig too deep in that but mainly because i knew if mm-hmm. i did i would it would go on like a two-hour tangent <laughs> but of course in hitler's racial law it didn't matter if you had jewish blood you were a jew 
Because of this, they both knew the risk they had if the soldiers were to find out Lucy was of Jewish descent. That, of course, did not stop them. And so they begin to fuck with the soldiers. (laughs) So (laughs) they not only kept contraband, were also lesbians, but Lucy was also Jewish. And this didn't stop them just being like, you know what? Fuck it. They started out small. This is this is where we get into like the art part of it. Okay. They okay. started. I was going to say put alone. Yeah. So it, there's just a lot of backstory <laughs> building up um, to it. But now this is where we actually start getting into them making art, and it's all with propaganda of fucking over the Nazis. <laughs> Okay. They started out small. They would tear like posters off the wall that weren't that when they went out on a day trip for shopping. And then from then on, they decided when they were out and about, they would just start taking down German propaganda and stick it in their bag to be later thrown away. You might think, oh, this is no big deal in today's world. But trust me, this was a death sentence. If, if they caught oh. you tearing down any type of German propaganda, yeah, you're just they would, yeah, they would kill you. My favorite thing, though, that they started to do was they would turn road signs the wrong way to confuse soldiers. <laughs> so when new soldiers would come to the island, they would turn the road signs the wrong way and watch them like drive around the island a bunch of times because they were new and they didn't <laughs> understand. And I'm like, that is amazing. I would have never thought of that. <laughs> love it. I know. It's so great. I, I don't, I, yes, I love it. Lucy. So, of course, people smoked a lot of cigarettes back then. I mean, yeah. they still do now, but... Lucy started to find cigarette packs on the on the ground and she, what she would do is she would write phases on them and then often it was own and day I can't I'm saying this wrong it's French which means without end she would then throw these cigarette packets carefully into where soldiers would patrol or where they would be stationed at this is when Suzanne started to join in on terrorizing the soldiers cuz you know Lucy wanted to fight back <laughs> Suzanne was like oh, I don't know But then they eventually would write messages, you know, on them and like start throwing them in heavy, heavy populated areas. And then as they went shopping one day, Lucy bought a propaganda magazine called Signal. I I looked it up because I wanted to see what the cover looks like. And basically, it looks exactly like Time magazine, but just with pictures of Hitler and of Nazi soldiers. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it, but it looks exactly like time or life. It's it's really yeah. It's a very pretty black and white photographs, but of course it's of Hitler and Nazis. Yeah, so not iconic. Exactly, not iconic. Lucy bought one, and and uh, once back home, they started to flip through the magazine, and so what they would do is they would pick things out that would be of interest and cut out the propaganda. Then they would make a photo montage of whatever they cut out. And they essentially started using Nazis' own propaganda and turning it back onto the Nazis, like making them more pissed off because, you know, it was a rebellion to them. So with their photo montage in hand, they would set back out to the shops, find the Signal magazine, and then Lucy would, you know, tell Suzanne, like give them the signal that it was all clear. And then they would pull the photo montage out and place it inside the Nazi propaganda magazine. So when Nazi soldiers would buy the magazine, they would flip it open and they would see like anti-Nazi propaganda. I love it. I know. It's so great. And again, these, <laughs> like, you know, they would be bought. And so 
of course, you know, they had no idea who was reading it, but it was just, you know, funny. It's just so, so funny to them that they could just piss them off. They kept doing these photo montages, but thought about it and decided they needed to do more to get information across better. They decided that they would convince soldiers to go against the officers would pretend to be a soldier so the information would be like more credible and sh- soldiers would take it more seriously than if it was coming from, you know, random people. Mm-hmm. They would do is Lucy, of course, Suzanne is like the artsy part of it. And then Lucy had the mastermind. So Lucy would come up with these ideas and they would use a typewriter to create messages. And what they would do is put varying pressures on each key of the typewriter, making it making it various like seem like various writers were you know it was coming from different sources so they would write yes so they would write like the first part really lightly on the typewriter and then like the second part they would hit the keys more certain keys it was coming from different sources and they also wanted to make it seem more mysterious and you know behind the message Mm -hmm. which is i think that's so, so smart like i would have never thought about that what even what worked even more is they started to sprinkle made up secret code in their messages and slogans. This thinking of uh, they thought would fool Germans into thinking allied forces were trying to communicate with soldiers on the island. With all of that combined, Lucy and Suzanne's letters and imagery cons- like made a conspiracy around the island and it became international. So <laughs> all of this wow. to fuck with soldiers. That's, I mean, a great pastime honestly yeah because i mean you can't drink you can't do anything you have no radio and what else are you gonna do Mm -hmm. (laughs) and nothing else yeah Yeah, nothing else uh as they typed away on the contraband typewriter because remember they couldn't even have a typewriter they couldn't have camera typewriter radio none of that it was all banned but of course they had a typewriter they had a camera they had a radio this is where they would get most of their information on which made it more credible because the Nazis took all of this contraband. It wouldn't make sense that somebody from the island was doing it because if they have all the contraband, how are they getting this information? Mm-hmm. And they got most of their information from the BBC. And even though it was biased in ways, it was the fastest way to get information that they needed. Now we have, you know, so many outlets to get information. You know, you can just open any app or basically anything on your phone. You can get information just like back, you know, today there's false information. The BBC did leave out some details and favored to the allies. And they wanted to make sure that the Channel Islands kept morale up. They wouldn't explain things as in depth or as worse as it was. Just mainly because they wanted mm-hmm. to keep people's morale up. So I get it. That's why I say it's kind of biased because they they kind of made it seem like, oh, yes, we're in war, but it's not that bad. But yeah. it was bad. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I understand. But also people need to know the truth. Right. Don't hide the truth. Exactly. Lucy and Suzanne continued their duty on trying to fool the Germans and create chaos within the island soldiers. There is an old poem written in German that it's called Die Lorelei. And I think that's all. Yeah, it's like, but I don't know if it's pronounced Die Lorelei or the, uh, I'm not German, so I don't know. It was later turned into a popular song that Germans like to sing. And Lucy and Suzanne took this and made their own spoof on the lyrics because German soldiers would sing this. And so the lyrics were, I believe, I don't, I'm not sure what the actual lyrics are, but they made, they changed it. So their their lyrics are, 
I believe in the end of the waves devoured both sailor and boat. And that was brought about by Adolf Hitler with his screaming. So basically saying like Hitler whining is what made this war. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. They created a beautiful piece of art with this, with little fish, with sharp teeth and a sinking Nazi ship. It's so, it's so silly looking, but I love it. I just love it so much. So, but they they have that little imagery at the top and then at the bottom they wrote their version of the lyrics. Of course, mm-hmm. they, they took this and started to graffiti it everywhere and soon more soldiers were getting Lucy and Suzanne's Nazi messages. Now, I yeah, I, I explained how they dropped the photo montage off and they did some similar things with the letters. So they would travel by foot or bus and then plant them in random areas along the way, like of their bus route. That could be mm-hmm. in like cigarette packs. Um, they would drop it, certain letters in churches or even tuck them in people's windshields and park cars, anything to kind of get their message across. That's what they did. Of course, they were, mm-hmm. they were always careful, you know, with keeping one eye open because something so small has very severe consequences mm-hmm. when they needed food or say they wanted a day out they would just do random stops and like tuck those letters and the photo montages in which is smart it's pretty cool it is smart <clears throat> throughout all this lucy and suzanne had no idea if anything they were creating was getting into the hands of soldiers or their superiors now i mentioned earlier it did become international so they did find out later on that it actually was circulating and there was a huge investigation team on it. But during this time when they were actually doing it, they had no idea if, you know, if, if they were even being found at this point. What was frustrating, I think, for them is they couldn't just go, go up to a soldier and be like, hey, man, did you get any rude letters lately? <laughs> they can't just ask. Uh, they They went many, many years without knowing if this was working, but they still continued to do it. To be clear, they... They always wrote these in German because the German soldiers didn't know English. And well, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming they didn't know English and I'm assuming they probably thought they didn't know English, but they knew German. So they would write these in German. Okay. There's this captain, Captain Boyd, who was the head honcho. Like he could not stop these letters from circulating and he could only confiscate so much from the islanders you know like radios and stuff and so when these letters were starting to get about he was trying to stop it because of course it's propaganda anti-nazi propaganda (laughs) and so he was getting really frustrated like so lucy and suzanne were really pissing pissing him off while listening to the radio one day though the broadcaster started to play beethoven's fifth sympathy well sympathy (laughs) symphony (laughs) i cannot talk yeah sympathy um and he taught listeners how to say V in Morse code and encourage people to start putting V everywhere for not only the familiar uh, symphony, but also V for victory because, you know, Beethoven's fifth, the V. And this was making its rounds and Lucy and Suzanne started to partake in this as well as other Islanders. So Captain Boyd was seeing V pop up and this showed him and the soldiers just how powerful the radio could be. He knew people had this confiscated contraband. This new spark and hope, Lucy's, Lucy and Suzanne decided to start signing their letters with the soldier with no name or their soldat. Oh, na, na, me. I don't even know how to, I can't say that in German. But they would sign it in German by saying the soldier with no name. And this mm-hmm. helped, helped them have like a new persona with the new letters and connected their older letters in which they didn't sign. 
since it was coming from what Germans believed was a soldier and not two people in their late 40s. We have Captain Boyd, who's like controlling the island, now is on Lucy and Suzanne's butt, is getting pissed off that these letters are happening. Now he's finding out that the contraband that they thought they took people still found a way to get radios. And so because they got radio, because of the V, because he listens, obviously listens to the, the radio so that he knows. Um, so that was being plastered. And then now Lucy and Suzanne started to tie them in by sign, signing the soldier with no name. So they connected all of the photo montages and the letters to like this new signature. Okay. But very, a lot. Very cool. We're not even like halfway. <laughs> well, we're almost halfway. Man. One day, uh, Lucy and Suzanne were walking, and on the side of the road, they spotted an invitation to a German cultural meeting. They suspected that a soldier has lost it or maybe threw it away. That's why they found it on the floor. This, though, mm -hmm. gave them inspiration. Inspiration that, well, what they were doing was getting into soldiers' heads. Because Captain Boyd, on the other hand, found out like about this ball and he was so mad because they were or this cultural meeting not ball and he was so mad because now he knew that the propaganda that lucy and suzanne were doing was now getting into the minds of his soldiers and his soldiers were now meeting up secretly because they're like what the fuck is happening like i thought we, we were the good guys which a lot of the german soldiers thought they were doing good yeah. captain boyd sent scouts to the meeting to get you know the traders but of course they found nothing and no one at the meeting place which means somebody probably tipped tip them off um, that's my guess or sure, yeah yeah he often read notes about the hatred for you know uh, the occupation but suzanne or lucian suzanne's soldier with no name was really getting to him like he was really really pissed off about this especially with the secret codes that they would inlay in the messages so soon a new commander would come to the island and with this meant germans were looking for new locations for stable horses and for soldiers they couldn't and of course the islanders couldn't say no captain mm. boyd was now going to be leaving. There was going to be a new commander. He told the new commander about, you know, these letters. Because he told him about the letters, the new commander basically went house to house and just started taking over people's houses. So one of those houses was Lucy and Suzanne's. Oh. And yeah, they had to deal with German soldiers while still writing anti-propaganda while the german soldiers were in their house oh my god <laughs> so ballsy it's it's great i can't i would be so nervous all the time yeah like they could sneak around or find anything yeah uh, yeah they could just do anything but they only stayed for a few months before they moved on they they stayed in lucy and suzanne's house and then for a few months and they moved on to somebody else's house they both didn't mention why they left i mean honestly that was probably just relieving to just have them gone mm -hmm. but, um, okay so what do you think so far it's good yeah it's very good isn't it weird it's crazy and interesting that is crazy so do you want to keep going and recording or do you want to like... Hey y'all, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of part one. I do want to apologize for the way that it sounds. I got a new system and so my brother's episode was the first time using the phone call part of uh, my equipment. And I know it was a little bit rocky, but if you hung in there, I hope you enjoyed the episode and please stay tuned next week for part two.